welcome to C3 Wellington and Hutt City. Need something fresh, real and powerful in your life? Connect with us on social media, get podcast notifications, updates on events, collective groups and a whole lot more. We're so glad you're joining us for a powerful and thought-provoking message from one of our pastors. We would love to hear how God has touched you in your life. Get in touch through our website, c3churchwellington.nz. So, sit back and enjoy this message. Hey, we're kicking off a new message series, and this message series is called Simple Church. And uh, it's been inspired by a couple of things, really. Number one, uh, a book entitled Simple Church, which I'm reading. So there we go. That's a, let, let the cat straight out of the bag there. Uh, I'm reading a book called Simple Church, and I'm just going, oh, this is just awesome. Uh, and also from the, the fact that our church has been on a trajectory or a journey of, of uh, doing a lot of things. Yeah, we, uh, it's a year ago that we went from one location to two locations and we picked up the city location and started pastoring that as well. And all of a sudden we're doing a lot more things and, uh, and, and we're just a busy church. I think that when you come to a church this kind of size, there's nowhere to hide, right? Like it's like, you can't be the person that kind of, I mean, sorry, the truth is this, it's very hard to drift in and drift out and not get involved when you're a small church, right? Or let me call it a young church. I think young sounds better than small. Can we agree? Because I don't think God's called us to be small, but we are young. The oak tree's still an oak tree, even when it's a sapling. Do I get an amen on that? Uh, so, so look, but, but it, it means that there's a lot of, for, for a church of our size, there's a lot of moving parts. And what can happen when there's a lot of moving parts is some of the main things can sometimes get lost. And so I'm reading this book, Simple Church, on the cusp of us moving. For those that don't know, we're on a, dr- a journey to go from one church in two locations to one church in one location. We're bringing the two churches together into one location, coming together in strength so that we can do this well. Because God's given us a mission, God's given us a vision, and it includes more than one location. It can sometimes seem backwards. Like I've, 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 a lot of people have said to me, why would you go from two to one? Isn't that like retreating? Isn't that taking a backward step? And I tell you, God had to really speak, speak clearly to Bex and I because it, it can feel like that, can't it? Like, like, you know, if a business has two businesses and they shut the doors on one, uh, it feels like they're going backwards. But this is the word that God spoke to us. Maybe the next season isn't in what you start doing, but what you stop doing, which you'll get the momentum into the future. And I felt really strongly, we feel very strongly, that this isn't a step backwards, but this is a step forwards. That we're taking the ground and God's created a new exciting venue for us right in the heart of Lower Hutt City. That is the Lower Hutt Event Centre, the brand new event centre. They built, they spent $30 million for us. Thank you, Jesus. Because God wanted a church in that place. And so He let them spend the council money. Thank you for that. Many of the plans of a man's heart, but God orders their, uh, their, their steps. I love that. And so that's what's happening. We're, we're transitioning. And so this message series is really critical, I think, for us as we transition, because we're not just going to a new venue. This isn't about just a location shift. This is about God refining us, refocusing us, distilling us back down to the purpose that He called for this church. We're coming back to the heartbeat, the truth, and we're gonna, there's going to be some shifts. There's going to be some changes. But in order for God to fulfil His purpose and His mandate on us, we honour what has come. We honour the journey that brought us to this point. But it is a new day for C3 Church Wellington. So here is our key verse for this message series. And I just, can I be straight up with you? 
I'm setting you guys up. Uh, any, uh, any Star Wars fans out there? Come on, you can, this is a Pentecostal church, you can raise your hands. Uh, any, any, okay, any Lord of the Rings fans out there? All right, the same people. <laughs> so I was like, nah, nah, I don't like that fantasy. This is, this is uh, episode four, or this is the, the, the very first, the Fellowship of the Ring. This is not gonna give you, we're gonna stop mid-sentence on this message series. So I hope you come back next week for the next part, but this is, this is a setup today. There is gonna not be a conclusion drawn. I hope you're okay with that. This is basically one long message series, just like Star Wars, and we're gonna get a snippet. I'll promise it won't be two hours though. It'll be shorter. All right, here's our key scripture and here's our big idea. The key scripture is this, and I pray this, dot, 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 <laughs> because there's a lot of other things in there, but I wanted to distill this verse down. I pray this, this is the words of Apostle Paul. I pray this, that you can determine what really matters. What really matters. And uh, that's so critical. And here's the big idea. Why does the church exist? And what is her purpose? Can we pray? Father God, we thank You that You call us into fellowship with one another. And Jesus, we thank You that You gave up Your life for this thing called the church, for this group of people that would be Your family. And God, today we ask that You would speak and that You would clarify and refocus us around the purpose and the heartbeat and Your plan for Your church. Jesus, we declare that as You said, as Your Word says, You will build Your church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. And so we're not here to put our thoughts against what you said. We're here to find out what You meant. We're here to understand what it is You've said and we're here to cooperate and build what You said You would build. And so God, I thank You for it. We thank You, Jesus, You built one thing, and that is the church. And so we ask that You would help us today to connect it to Your vision and Your mission. In Jesus' Name, and everybody said, Amen. Amen. Hey, look, so Pastor Rick Warren, who pastor Saddleback uh, Church in Orange County, he wrote the book, The Purpose Driven Life. Anyone read The Purpose Driven Life? Because look, there was over 30 million copies of this book sold. That's not bad for a Christian book, right? 30 million copies plus. He says this, this is Rick Warren. He says, A church without a purpose and mission eventually becomes a museum piece of yesterday's traditions. Nothing discourages a church more than not knowing why it exists. Not knowing why it exists. Proverbs 29 verse 18 says this, Where there is no prophetic vision, the people cast off restraint. No vision equals no clear direction. It equals no roadmap to the future. And as the Scripture says, uh, we, we cast off restraint. We, we, the restraint is a measure or condition that keeps something or someone under control. The very thing that causes us to reduce things or say yes to some things and say no to some other things. When you have vision, you have focus. You commit to the things that will propel you towards it and you filter your decisions through the question, is this going to help me get there? Uh, I speak through my language of the past because <laughs> it's not the current future. But if you wanted to run a marathon, if you wanted to run a marathon and you've got a vision to run a marathon, you would pay to enter the race. You would commit 
to a training program. You would consider your diet and your sleep. You would invest in better shoes and better socks and better whatever. You start investing in some gear, don't you? You, you track your progress and then you, you buy a $600 watch to help you track your progress, uh, autobiographical. That's what I did. And, and you, you, look, when your, mates, when your mates invite you to hit the town on Friday night, you're like, actually, I'm not coming because I've got to get up at 6am and do a 30k training run. It starts to shape and change the way you do things. You start to create restraint over your life because you've got a vision for something. That vision is to, to cross that finish line or maybe get a personal best time. Where there is prophetic vision, people focus on what really matters. Where there is vision, there is purpose. Knowing your purpose reduces frustration because it allows us to forget about the things that don't really matter. Isaiah 26 3 says this, that it says that God gives perfect peace to those who keep their purpose firm and put their trust in Him. God gives perfect peace to those who keep their purpose firm and put their trust in Him. A clear purpose not only defines what we do, it defies what we don't do. The filter must always be, does this activity fulfil one of the purposes for which God established this church? Let's say that again. Does this activity fulfil one of the purposes in which God established this church? In short, don't let anything distract from God's agenda for the church. Constancy to purpose is the secret to success. Constancy, consistency to the purpose is the secret of success. A common problem for church today is that we don't major on the majors, but we can sometimes major on the minors. It's easy to become distracted by good but less important agendas and purposes and allow the energy of the church to be diffused and dissipated. As many church growth leaders say, you must major on the majors if you want your church to make an impact in the world. Therefore, the main thing is to keep the main thing the main thing. Main thing. Every church is defined by those things in which they are committed. So I don't know if you if you're wired like I am. As soon as someone says that, I'm gonna. My question is gonna be, what is the main thing? So what is the main thing? Well, the good thing is is that Jesus didn't leave us guessing. Jesus didn't leave us guessing. He gave some very clear commands. In fact, he gave three that shaped the church as we know it. And just to be clear, a command is to exercise a dominating influence over and direct with authority. <laughs> Exercise a dominating influence over and then direct with authority. Jesus commanded some things. So let's take a look at them, shall we? The first thing Jesus commanded was known as the great commandment. The great commandment. And you'll find this in Matthew 22, verses 35 to 39. And in this you're going to find two commandments. The first is this. Let's read 35. And one of them, a lawyer, asked Jesus a question to test him. Teacher, which is the greatest commandment in the law? And he said to them, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. This is the great and first commandment. And a second is like it. 
You shall love your neighbour as yourself. On these two commandments depend all the law and all the prophets. Every prophecy, every law ever written in the Old Testament is summed up in two commandments. Love God, love your neighbour. Jesus extends this love your neighbour thought with another commandment that He gives to His disciples. And this is in John 13, to set the scene. Jesus is uh, with His boys right before He goes to the cross, right before He is betrayed. And it's famously known as the Last Supper. And so Jesus is having fellowship and sharing a meal with His disciples. And then He, he gets down to his, his undies, down to His fruit of the looms, and He jumps in His Calvin Kleins, <laughs> and He falls down to the dirt, and He washes all of their feet. Jesus, right before He goes to be crucified, his, one of His last actions is to wash the feet of His followers, of His disciples. And he says, I did this as an example that you ought to follow. If I be your Lord, would wash your feet, you ought to wash each other's feet. So He gives them a picture of what it looks like in the Kingdom of Heaven, what it looks like. And then He, he gives them an example, then He commands them. Let's read the command. John 13, 34 and 35 says, A new commandment I give to you, that you love one another. Just as I have loved you, you also are to love one another. By this, all people. Can you say all people? people. What people? people. Who people? people? All people. will know that you are my disciples if you have love. For one another. So we've got the great commandment, love God, love your neighbour. Jesus gives us another commandment right before the cross. Key words, the key words, love one another. And then Jesus goes to the cross. He gets nailed to the cross. He bleeds out and dies on the cross. But aren't you glad the story doesn't end there? Have we got any people that are grateful that He didn't stay dead, that he, that he rose victorious over Satan's sin and death and took the keys from hell and He came back and He spent 40 days with His disciples at various points and He gets them together. And right before He ascends to heaven, He's got one more piece of information, one more thing that He wants to say, one more command I want to leave you. Let this be my parting shot, Jesus says. Make sure you make your bed, do the dishes, brush your teeth. No, that's what I like to say to my kids. But Jesus says this, and Jesus came and said to them, all authority. Can we say all authority? authority. Jesus had all authority. Let that sink in. In heaven and on earth. Yeah, it's been given to Jesus. All authority. (laughs) All authority in heaven and earth has been given to me. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptising them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, a bit of Trinity action going on here and teaching them to observe 
all that I have commanded you. All that I've commanded you. What has He commanded us to do? He's commanded us to love God with all our hearts, with all our mind, with all our soul, that we would love God and place Him first in our lives and that we'd allow that to overflow into loving our neighbour. Jesus said, don't just love the people that love you, love your enemies. Bless them, don't curse them. If someone strikes you, turn the other cheek. If, you want, if someone says, I want your jacket, give them the jacket, give them your shoes, give them, give them other things. Like Jesus is revolutionary. Love one another and make disciples. This is called the Great Commission to go and make disciples. The three commandments Jesus gave the church is love God, love one another or love the church and make disciples love the world, yeah? Upreach, inreach, outreach. A great commitment to the great commandment and the great commission will grow a great church. So we've got three commandments and I think that we can break these three commandments or expand these three commandments into five key purposes. Are you with me? Key purpose number one, evangelism. Go and make disciples, Jesus says. Love your neighbour, Jesus says. After the love your neighbour, he talks, he tells a parable called the Good Samaritan about, because the question was, okay, who's my neighbour? And in this parable, Jesus says there's three men. He, one was a priest, one was a, a rabbi, and one was a Samaritan. Now, that's controversial when you're a Jew. Talking, He made the Samaritan the good person, and the Samaritans were half-breed Jews that the Jews despised because they, their, their religion got mixed. And so the Jews hated Samaritans. And so Jesus is saying, who's your neighbour? And He paints the person that the Jews despised as the, as the, as the loving neighbour. And you know what the neighbour did? He crossed the road. He saw the person broken and beaten by thieves. He put that person on a donkey. He took that person to an inn. He said, innkeeper, look after this person. Here's some money. And if that's not enough, I'm coming back with more money so that you can look after this person. And, and that was what Jesus said was being a neighbour. We're called to go and make disciples and love your neighbour. Evangelism. Two, worship. A key purpose of the church is worship. Love God with all your heart, soul and mind. I mean, there's so many ways that we could expound on worship, couldn't we? It's not just singing songs, is it? It's a heart position of God is first. It's the, it's the overflow of, of what God is to us and what He means to us. And, and our heart responds. It's our response to the goodness of God, the grace of God, the love of God, the mercy of God. The fact that He would save me from my sin, that He would take me from my brokenness, that He would take me from death to life. Oh man, my heart's response to that is, is worship. Yeah? That we would call and pull each other into depths and deeper depths of worship. Of God, when we give, and when we're obedient to give, and we move in generosity, it's worship. When we receive the word of God, it's worship. Worship is another key purpose. Another one is fellowship. Love one another, Jesus said. 
But he did that in a setting of eating together and hanging out together and being close to get together. You, we talked about this last Sunday. You can't love from a distance. Magnets have to get pretty close before they connect. You know, church, church is a place where you can come as you are. That you are, if you can't be welcomed here as you are, then we've got it wrong. We've missed the gospel. If you have to do something to be accepted, then it's not the gospel at all. That this is a place where Jesus poured out His blood for you and for me in a place where we had not yet chosen Him and He said, you're worthy. And so you're not, your value is not set on what you do. Your value is set on Jesus' blood set your value. And if He says that you're worth, worthy, then we say you're worthy. And you can come into this place and know that you have a place that you can belong. So you don't have to put on the mask. You don't have to play the game. You don't have to pretend because it's life sucking and soul sucking to feel like you've got to fit in. But you can come into this place and be who you are created to be. We need you to be you, no one else. God wired you, made you, called you to be you. And so language I like to say is that who you are is close to the top of your skin. It's not deep buried deep below you. And that's a journey. It's a journey of trust because we've been well and truly cultured and indoctrinated into the game of fitting in. We've been well and truly cultured into this game of being accepted by what you think, I'll be what you think I need to be so that you'd accept me. The challenges are accepting some version of you that's not you. God can't bless the fake you. He didn't make a mistake. And every bit of brokenness that we've walked through becomes a bridge to our future. Every bit of brokenness that is in our past becomes a shining light of His grace that other people can see that might have just walked through or are walking through the same thing. And all of a sudden, when we come into fellowship, what you've walked through can bless somebody else and set them free. The church is not the church just two hours on a Sunday. It can't be. Jesus spent three years with these guys, eight slept. They just were in each other's back pocket. He had a crowd of hundreds of thousands at one point, but he didn't turn to the hundreds of thousands. It wasn't his attention. That was not his attention. His attention was investing into these guys. And they reached beyond the hundred thousand, like beyond any crowd that Jesus ever pulled. I mean, the gospel 2,000 years later is in tighter in a small room in the back of Walton Ash because he invested in these guys. Fellowship, man, it's such a powerful force, such a powerful thing, community, a place where you belong, a place that you can call home. It's such a key value and purpose of the church. The moment you feel like you've got to be something to fit in, crushes it. We've got to fight for authenticity, realness and vulnerability in church, yeah? By the way, I am going to actually preach these as we... I'm going to expound on all of these as we go through this message series, not today, but I'm setting this up as I said. Evangelism, worship, fellowship. Fourth, purpose of the church, service. Service, love one another. What was Jesus' example of loving one another? Washing feet. Yeah? Jesus says, I didn't come to serve, but I didn't come to be served, but to serve. I came, I, I, I put my crown down in heaven. I came as a humble, into humanity, as a humble baby. I grew, I learned, I understand everything that you've walked through. I understand the journey. I've, I've felt all the temptation. I get it all. And I didn't come to make much of myself. I came to serve. 
Jesus shines through our ability to serve one another. The great thing about service is it becomes others focused. Your life does not revolve around you. you this is the, I love this about marriage. I, I, I love it. It's, I love it and it's hard. <laughs> and that is that you put someone else first. If you get it right, and we don't get it right every day. I get this, this is a hard one because we can be so selfish, can't we? Like we just want to be the captains of our own ship, the masters of our own destiny and to allow someone else to steer and will of our lives is tough. But our call is to let go of my happiness and, my, and me seeking my, and to seek someone else's and to make sure that they are, isn't that incredible? Because it is an example of the Kingdom of Heaven that Jesus came for us and He served us and He did this in the greatest example on the cross by dying for us. And we get to die to our own nature, die to our own preferences and come and we can serve. And in this place of serving, God creates influence and starts to allow you to have influence. And that's exactly what leadership is. Leadership by definition is servanthood. That's all it is, is going, you know what, to a greater level of servanthood, to a greater level of servanthood, and God creates an influence, and all of a sudden your life is impacting other people, and you're making a spiritual difference in someone else's life, and you're going, oh my gosh, you lie down at night going, I can't believe it. Loving one another and foot washing. Look, I feel like sometimes we have this thing where we find that being and doing are fighting each other. Like you come into church and it's like, you've just got to serve, 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 serve. Now I said last week that that can sometimes be unloving. That if you feel like your value is in serving, like if I'm the guy that's like just always running around doing everything, then I've got some value in, in this family. It doesn't work like that in my family. With my kids, we've got five kids. Their value's not set by anything they do. And neither is in this family. And maybe just maybe the most unloving thing you could do is hand the oars to someone with blisters on their hands and say, come on, row. <laughs> no, no, no. Maybe we should actually say, you don't need to row right now. Right now, rowing isn't what you should be doing. Right now, what you should be doing is allow us to bandage the wounds and dress the wounds and look after you. But you're still called to row because that's where we're going and you're going to get us there faster and we're going to see things because it's not about us in the boat. It's about those in the water that might be drowning. Yeah. And so being and doing don't fight each other. We do out of the being. The problem is in the doing. <laughs> I think sometimes we think, oh man, this church just went with a serve, serve, serve. Yeah, that's, it's work and it's, out, it's, it's, it's coming out of you, but you've got to be putting in. Let's go back up to point number two, worship. Finding that place in the presence of God where He's filling you up, where He's speaking to you, that He's pouring into you, that you're getting topped up. And out of that place of being and out of that place of rest, as Jesus says in Matthew 11, come to me and I will give you rest. He says that. Yes, He does. And He also says, strive to enter that rest. He also says that you should work hard like a, like a, like a soldier, like a farmer, like a builder. Like the, this is the same God. We rest and we work. We be and we do. And we advance the Kingdom of God through this me method. They're not, they're not in fighting. Sometimes you feel like people think that, oh, you're, you're calling us into serving, calling us into serving. This, you know. Yeah. But maybe not for our benefit, maybe for yours. Maybe for your benefit. Who can, who can say that through serving, 
things like God has really touched your heart, pulled you into greater measures of relationship. You found purpose through just turning up and doing something. Can anyone testify to that? I can. And we want you to find your purpose because your purpose exists for other people, yeah? And the fifth one is this, discipleship. Discipleship. Jesus says, go therefore and make disciples, but He didn't just finish it there and teach them and teach them, equip them, prepare them, help them get their roots down. And this is not just the work of an evangelist or the work of a teacher. This is everybody. We're all called to be disciple makers. Every single one of us. Every single one of us. The above list encapsulates pretty much every church everywhere, doesn't it? I mean, every church everywhere. Every purpose can have a subset of categories, options, programs. And that's the challenge. You can take those five things and you can expound that into an infinite array of programs, couldn't you? Men's programs, women's ministry, this ministry, that ministry, all of a sudden, because they're all trying to fulfil this purpose, yeah? Almost every activity program can fall under one of these purposes which validates its existence. Before you know it, church can become this complex, busy, programmed mechanism with multiple visions pulling people in multiple directions, all good things, of course. (laughs) But the unnecessary can get in the way of the necessary. The unnecessary divides attention, resources and time. The unnecessary can hide the necessary. So how do we keep it simple? Well, here's the first thing. It's about people, not programs. People are our focus. Specifically, helping them take the next step. Moving people is our goal. (laughs) Moving them where? Let's read Ephesians 4, 11 to 13. And He gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds and teachers to equip the saints for the work of ministry, for building up the body of Christ until we all attain to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God, to mature manhood, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. What is the goal? Well, let me read you. This is the definition of a simple church out of the book, A Simple Church. Can I read it to you? A simple church is designed around a straightforward and strategic process that moves people through the stages of spiritual growth. I'm going to read that again. A simple church is designed around a straightforward and strategic process that moves people through the stages of spiritual growth. The leadership and the church are clear about the process and are committed to executing it. The process flows logically and is implemented in each area of the church. And the church abandons everything that is not in the process. Here's the goal for every person to move through the stages of spiritual growth. A healthy church is a growing church. 
It's interesting what people think about when they think of a growing church. Like, what's the measure? A healthy church is a growing church. Is it, is it bums on seats on Sundays? Is it, is it the, the size of the offering? I mean, what, what, what's, what's the measure of a growing church? Because healthy things grow, right? I'm not talking specifically about attendance, and I choose that word specifically. It's important. I'm not throwing the baby out with the bathwater. We want people to come and be a part of our Sunday gatherings. We want people to experience worship and the love of God and be touched by this community. And it's the feel that you have in this place of realness. And we want that for sure. But does that make us a healthy church? A healthy church moves people into deeper levels of spiritual maturity. Can I put our language on it? A healthy church moves people into a deeper relationship with Jesus. That's the goal. That's the goal simply. We want every person to be walking in a deeper relationship with Jesus. The outcome of that will be discipleship and service and worship and mission and all of that comes from the root, the relationship, the thing that's before everything else is your relationship with Jesus, my relationship with Jesus and allowing Him to do the work. You see, the Bible says that He is changing us degree. The Holy Spirit is changing us degree by degree into the image of Christ. Our hope for every person here is that you would take another step deeper into a relationship with Jesus. And that's why maybe we say, say maybe you know, you've never ever taken a step. Troy, where are you, mate? Oh, you're right in front of me, front row. Come, come, come and, come and participate. Can we encourage Troy? Come on, this guy's awesome. Now you've got the focus, mate. Feel the Holy Spirit descend. It's the heart of the home, man. I am by nature wired apostolically and evangelistically. That's my heart. I am, I enjoy teaching. I'm not strong in the pastoral gift, the shepherding gift is not my great strength. Mercy is not one of my great spiritual gifts. Is it necessary in the church? Absolutely. Are we the body of Christ? Yes. Do we need every part? Yes. We cannot be all things to all people. We need one another, right? And as we go through the series and unpack it, we're going to talk about how these things move because it's all about having a ministry philosophy. Like every church has a ministry philosophy, has a way that they do things. Why do we have lights? And, you know, why do we have this stuff? Why do we play multi-tracks today? You know, like, why, why are we doing that sort of stuff? You know, like, there's reasons behind everything we do. And our hope would be that we'd be able to clearly communicate the mission, the vision, the prophetic vision that God's given this house. And that the right people, that God is, because Jesus says, I'll build my church. He'll bring the right people that resonate. And go, you know what? Yes, there's a yes in my spirit. We're not called to reach everybody. If that was the case, then we'd be the only church in the hut. We're not called to reach everybody. The church is called to reach everybody, the church. But this church is called to reach some people. And we reach those people by being true to who God's called us to be. 
And that's really critical for the next stage that we're moving into. We're not just moving into a new venue. We're getting back, we're distilling down, we're concentrating back to the purpose of God for C3 Church Wellington. As I said, I'm very much evangelistic and apostolically driven. Big picture kind of person, yeah. And so maybe it's that that might say this because of the way I'm wired. But evangelism is just such a critical part. It's because it's the start. You've got no one to disciple if they haven't said yes to Jesus. And so what I'm hoping is that we as a church, those that call C3 Church home, those that have been on a journey with Jesus for some months or years, we might be able to give you a little whippersnapper to disciple. (laughs) Someone passionate to learn, someone zealous. That's our hope, is that every person in this place would have an opportunity to walk one-on-one with somebody and disciple them. And I'm kind of stealing some thunder from messages to come. But that's my hope, is that we focus on reaching lost people, but then we focus on discipling them. We, we focus on clearly communicating who we are as a church and who we are not. And we're okay with that. We're not for everybody. That's okay. Uh, but we clearly communicate that. So I think it's vital that we shape certain parts or certain things that we do around the, the, the motivation of, of that gathering. Like, why do we do this? And what are we trying to achieve today? And we all are united around that. That's what we're trying to do today. That's our hope today. That's our goal today. That's our win today. And so my hope would be that we'd come out of the series with just a few things that we do, that we all do together. And as we do that, Jesus will build His church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. Thank you.